Hi, I'm Fred Topel with Crave Online. Nick, how did you come up with the voice for this character? I think it might be your best voice since Peter Lowe. Oh, bless your heart. I'm, I'm so happy you noticed. Um, you know, voice is one of the tools of film acting. And any chance I, I can get to play with it, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on it. I wanted Kyle Miller to be somebody that would, in your mind, be the last person that could rise against uh, this untenable situation that he finds himself and his family in. And so one of the ways to do that was to, to, to make the voice just a little bit... Um, uh, he, he's kind of like a... Uh, I, I say that he's sexually confused. He's, he's someone that doesn't, you wouldn't expect to, to defend himself and his family in that situation. So I wanted to play with that. One of the things that I said to Joel when I agreed to do the movie was I'd like to play him with a stutter as well. And we talked about it, but then as we started photography, he kind of talked me out of that. And I, I take his point. I think it probably worked better without it. But then again, we might be wearing tuxedos later this year if I had a stutter. <laughs> okay. This is so silly, dude. He's, he's saying that uh, he initially wanted uh, the character to have a stutter, too. <laughs> I think that would have just made it, like, unbearable. No, yeah. Right? I, that would have been, like, too much. Uh, well, uh, the way he puts it is that uh, that could have been the, the thing that separates how the film came out from uh, them actually going to the Oscars with it. So... You know, wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> like there's a universe where Cage believes that this was ever Oscar material. Yeah. That's I mean, amazing. I don't know. I don't know how I, serious I, he's being, but I um, didn't. Yeah. Who, who can, who knows nowadays? He loves stutters though. Yeah, that's, that's one of his favorite vocal tics to implore. implore there is, there is something that I do appreciate about use. his style. Um, that I think obviously we've made our stances on his myriad accents pretty clear. Yeah. But the one thing that I do appreciate is that I think, unlike a lot of contemporary actors, he's using his, he's changing his voice to further characterize the roles that he plays. I've, and yes. a lot of times that's a bad choice and it, <laughs> and it comes off in a way that really is either too distracting or I think actively like hinders the film as in this case. <laughs> I mean, obviously I don't ever think that this movie was going to be, Great. That that wasn't the that was not the, the deciding factor hinge that right. any of anything was gonna. But it was definitely it, a, it was definitely a small con uh, contribution. Um, with that said, <laughs> welcome to Heat Seeking Panther. I'm Miles, and this is Dave. Hi, Dave. <laughs> Where to start We're with this? Talking about 2011's Trespass. Well, I think a good starting place is to say, uh, did you know that this film broke a record? Oh, I do, but yeah. I'll, I'll I'll let you tell it. Yeah, this this was uh, at its time the uh, the shortest time between uh, theater release and DVD release, beating out 2001's <laughs> from Justin to Kelly, <laughs> which I think was 24 days. This, this one was like 18 or 18 something like days, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's not as big a deal now that uh, things are being released simultaneously on demand, but um, that was not a badge of honor. 
Definitely in not. In 2011. And I think the it was it was only released theatrically in a couple major markets and I and I think 10 days I want to say Something is, like is that. the longest that it was in theaters in any one city that it was in. The budget was you want to guess? Oh, uh 30 million. 35. Yeah. 35 million. Yeah. And w- it, which is still low budget uh, for the talent yeah. involved. Yeah. And a lot of that probably just went to paying Cage and Nicole Kidman. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I wonder if Schumacher che- uh, cashed the check or or if he, you know, sometimes directors, if they're particularly attached to a project, will like forego right. higher, higher uh, salary to like make sure something gets in yeah, I, on I a certain don't, budget, but... I don't know if this was a passion project for him. I don't, I don't know why I, he chose to do this. Yeah, we I I didn't get too deep into research. I I wish I'd had more time to to research this, but uh, I don't. I think that I do. <laughs> I I think that this is one of those movies wherein, whoa! <laughs> Sorry, my phone started <laughs> playing other big cat sounds. <laughs> Sorry, go on. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's saying to turn up the volume. Oh, I see. (laughs) Uh I feel bad because I feel like on this podcast, uh, when we talked about 8mm and (laughs) because his Batman versions have come up multiple times, (laughs) I feel like maybe I've said things in favor of Schumacher that might be giving people the wrong impression (laughs) that I'm actually a fan fan. of his work or that I think his oeuvre is something uh, that is worthwhile. Yeah. I want to, after watching this, really want to dispel that notion from any listeners that might have thought that that is what I was saying. I don't mean that at all. Um, I actually think that taken on the whole... A lot more of his movies are bad than than are good. I mean, what are his good movies? The Lost Boys, which I would argue is not actually a good movie. That's fair. It's just a movie. It's a fun movie with good stuff happening in it. Falling Um, Down. Falling Down. I know it's an extremely problematic movie. And maybe it's because I saw it at a certain point in my life, but I'll still go to bat for I think it's easily his best movie. Although it's, yeah, problematic is is a good way to sum it up. Um, And then also, honestly, his Batman movies are fun. His Batman movies are fun. But I think, but I think in spite, yeah, but I think in spite of him, they're fun. I don't think he is the reason that they're fun. Really? Oh, well, I, I think, I think he gave license for a kind of comic book cartoony spectacle that, uh, but I mean, really like, and I, I think what makes them fun in my memory is, um, that you have a bunch of very talented like set dressers and people people doing like weird practical effects and and costumes and stuff and then you have someone at the helm of everything who has no taste and is just letting it happen and so to that degree i give him credit yeah um but could you imagine if he had gone the opposite and tried to do a serious batman oh fuck it would be awful be, i mean based it, on this and based on this and eight millimeter yeah um yeah thank god he went the cartoony route yeah yeah also some some similarities between the muscle in this movie like mm-hmm. the big hulking mm-hmm. guy and machine yeah. And Bane, okay. I see a through line with okay. him and like j- just mountains of dudes that are wearing like full face masks <laughs> yeah, and just being generally threatening and like terrorizing people. There like they, there were some weird, his, his movies are icky. I think icky, yeah, I think icky is a good word to describe and, his and, sensibilities. And, yeah. And not, 
what do I want to say? Some movies are so grimy and gritty and or real or even unreal that they're they're icky in a way that makes you want to take a shower. And his stuff never approaches any of that. It's just I'll tell you the difference because it's not verite style. Right. Because everything is high production it's, values. Yes, it's yeah, very it's glossy very shiny. and slick. And that combined with the gross sensibility makes everything feel not gross in a sense where it's really making you rethink how those themes could be explored in movies. No, it's, it's, it's all a choice. Yeah, I mean, part of the, the deal with 8mm was that it, it didn't... I mean, this isn't like the my only criticism of it and the, the reason that it, it did, didn't work, but part of it was that it... it didn't go quite as far in some ways as I think it meant to go either into realism or nastiness or whatever. And yet it was still nasty enough that you're just like, ugh, okay. And this similarly is like, I think it aims to be like brutal and unrelenting and it is, but not in a way that's illustrative of anything and not even in a, in a cheap thrills kind of extremism. Right. Like I, I guess that's what I'm saying is cause I I've spent a lot of time watching movies that are supposed to be really hard to watch that are supposed to be really extreme or, or whatever. And even the worst of those movies at least has some sort of novelty going for it. And Schumacher has aims at the multiplex still when he's doing this. He he thinks that he's making a big, a, a big family friendly movie or not family friendly, but a, but a, a movie that, something that appeals to wide a wide like, audience. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and and he's just not. He, he's. I mean, this movie essentially is essentially a play. Like, yeah, it I, takes place mostly in one location. Yeah, and uh, even it, it takes place in a house and pretty much in one room in the house. And uh, so it, the the writing almost seems like it's like it's trying to be like who's afraid of Virginia Woolf or something like, but it's just not smart. No, it's really way. not. And it's just garbage. If you saw this at the local theater, you would walk out. Yeah. There's, there's also sorts of, there's uh, sort of themes. He does a really annoying thing in this movie where he tries to implicate the viewer in the, in the characters like bad life decisions. Oh, what do you mean? Um, you know, almost as if we are supposed to feel bad for, feeling like these people are bad because they've had to make bad choices in their life based on, you know, things that we as people seeing this movie would never understand. You mean the the bad, the the robbers? Well, not just the robbers, but even Cage Uh or his wife, you know, who are like ultra rich socialites. You know, it's like, it's a very... It's a very middle class movie where mm. and and in that sense I think it is very kind of outdated and 80s yeah. in its viewpoint of, you know, like indicting the middle class, middle class. It, like in a yeah. weird way or just like indicting normal people like living regular normal lives in America hmm. like but like to what end and for what reason you, well, you know do you, do you mean the, the who, who are the middle classes you see it in the movie like the robbers or, or K, no I don't I, I don't think either, either of one, them right I mean strictly if we're going by finances like Cage's family is middle class sure because but, the, the, right. the twist that uh, they, the twist that they that all their broke. money is in the house yeah. and that they don't actually have any like cash right but but the way they're set up is being yeah, like you know just a ultra a, rich yeah exactly Exactly. Before before we get into that, I just 
I mean, we can sum up the whole. And also, uh, whole, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt again, no. but I think I think another way that it fails is as a home invasion movie. Oh yeah, and I, I don't I like home invasion movies because of I I don't like to put myself in that kind of situation. Uh-huh. It doesn't make me. I, I, I don't ever have fun watching them. Right. Like I leave in a significantly worse mood than I did when I went in, which isn't necessarily something I like from entertainment, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but even if you were for some weird reason, the kind of person mm-hmm. that's like a connoisseur of home yeah. invasion movies, this is a badly a made home invasion movie. I don't, I don't know if I, I, I was going to talk so, about this yeah. too. Well, I mean, do you, and b- before I say that, just uh, if you haven't seen the movie, the whole premise is Nick Cage and his family, Nick Cage is a is a diamond dealer, uh, and uh, which is also a weirdly specific job to give <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, and uh, some people break in and threaten him and his wife and his daughter because they want money. And then the whole movie, they just spend yelling at each other, and that is threatening to shoot it, oh, various members of the family. Yeah, people die. Yeah. The end. It's that is the whole. Then, movie. like the robbers have infighting between yep. themselves, and you find out things about their lives. Right. Everybody's relationships get sort of uh, expounded on and, and twisted and stretched it, under it, pressure. Right. You know. Um. And that is all. Pretty much all the drama hinges on that, and then and then reveals such as that. Uh, when, there's a lot of yelling about them trying to get Nick Cage to open the safe, and then finally he opens the safe and it's empty, and it's like surprise, I'm broke. There's a lot. Of, there's shit like that, and, um, and, and and yes, and yes, Dave, you're right. In in that way, it is sort of like a Noel Coward play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it but like but bad, <laughs> but you can't. But actually, um, there's a whole school of uh thrillers i think that seem to have this idea that you put a bunch of characters under stress and they just yell at each other and have to figure something out together and that that's entertaining and, and it's it, always about it's, their own life choices yep. and 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 not really about the framework of the plot or no, or yeah, what or what specifically puts them in that situation right like all the you're right like all the drama comes from the interpersonal relationships yeah and so, like and and that's why in this movie there is a weird thing and Schumacher did it in 8mm and he's done it in other movies i don't like the way that he intertwines violence and shame and sex mm, and lust. Yes. It's yes. a really gross combination. You're totally right. And I don't understand why that's his thing. And I, and it never says like the, 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 the great, I don't movie, think he's examined it. I think that's no, exactly, part of, I think that's exactly. why it's so icky is because the way that he puts it forward, like in this, I, I'm thinking about there's a scene where the the main robber sort of menaces Nicole Kidman with a, a gun and is uh, basically saying one of, one of the interpersonal uh, pivots that gets way too much attention is this idea that the main robber's little brother, who's also there, it has mental problems and he has got them access to the house because he works for the security company that installed uh, Nick Cage and Nicole Kidman's alarm system. And it, through the process of him doing that, um, he fell in love. He, he became obsessed with Nicole Kidman's character. There's 
all these shots of, of her uh, giving him lemonade and smiling at him. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, yeah, there, and there's a scene where the where editing in those flashbacks it's too, atro- is, atrocious. Is, is atrocious. It's just long fades and just, I, I, it's something that I don't think we can even explain adequately on the podcast, but uh, there's, if there's, you want to see what bad editing looks there's like. There's like iris zoom outs from like Nicole Kidman's face into <laughs> like the alarm dude dri- coming out of the pool dripping wet and sexy it's like sunlit adonis it's so dumb um but like the yeah there's a scene where uh the the main robber menaces her with a gun and forces her to say i deserve to die and you know you fucked my little brother now you brought this upon your family say i deserve to die and he gets real close to her like he's gonna kiss her and it's this like it's just this psychosexual kind of thing that plays out, but actually d- says nothing, has no, I mean, unless all you want to take away is just like, oh, that's going to be a, a traumatic trigger for Nicole Kidman's character for the rest of her life. Like, you know, I mean, but the, also this entire movie is essentially like one that, giant trigger. Yeah, warning. It, it, it's it, like, if you have any issues at all, don't watch this movie. <laughs> but, yeah. And, and I mean, not to give it too much credit as be it's just like he Schumacher's playing with this stuff and in a way that is so like that he has nothing to say about it and he has nothing that he's using this like blunt, the blunt weapon of, of psychosexual violent trauma, uh, without seeming to understand anything about it outside of the, just like inherent drama of a moment of somebody pointing a gun of somebody threatening someone sexually. And, and so seeing somebody use that stuff, use those tools in this, in this way, so clumsily and so repetitively, you're just sort of like, ugh. well, and I think this brings up a bigger question too of like, okay, so all of the, all of the drama from this movie comes from purely situational, right? right? It's all situational. Sure. Do, do we give Schumacher any credit for just using the situation? The sc- mm. Right. Right. Because well, I don't know, obviously how many rewrites this went through. Sure. I feel like this is, I feel like Schumacher gravitated toward this script because of the themes. Yes. I, and I, that he basically like was using it. I mean, I can't imagine how much he really changed it, right? No, I, I don't think so. I think a lot of the blame should also be laid at the feet of Carl Gaidusek. I don't know how to say his last name, um, but he also he wrote Oblivion, the Tom Cruise movie that came out in like 2013 or something. He wrote a Pierce Brosnan movie, November Man. It's all stuff sort of within this same you know, Lane, B, B minus yeah. B minus uh, thrillers with uh, big male stars. I, I think Schumacher s- thought this was a good script. You know, thought there was something here, but I wonder if he sort of just like also gravitated towards the spectacle of it. Like I said, it just reads like a really bad one act play to me. And um, it's only it's only ninety minutes long, but it feels oh God, like it, it lasted so much longer, possibly long. Because I, I think because even though there's these twists and uh, thing, you know, the story does progress. I mean, things do 
ha- I mean, things technically happen, but, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, they technically happen. But, the, but just like, I feel like any, any of the dramatic like power shifts or anything, just don't read. It's just, it just feels like there's a bunch of people yelling at each other. Like for yeah. so much of the, the, the first third of it, it's just like, open the safe, open the safe or we're going to kill your wife, open the safe or we're going to kill you. You don't, you, you have to open the safe. Wait, I don't have to open the safe because if I open the safe, you're going to kill me. This is called leverage. You don't have leverage. You fuck face shithole ass fuck. I'm going to fucking kill your wife. It's just like that over and over and over fucking again. And then like the and safe, then the daughter open, comes home, right? The daughter then, comes home. And then all, same, and, shit. Right, same shit with the daughter. You're going to kill your daughter. Your right. daughter. Oh wait, you're, she's getting away. Oh wait, but she didn't get away. Oh wait. It's just like, it's just endless. And, and and I think part of the problem is that it starts out ratcheted up. Yeah, you know, like they yeah. come in, they bust through the door dressed like right. cops. They they point shotguns in their faces. And yeah. then from then on, I mean, you can't you can't like ramp it up from there. No, yeah, there there's no to- there's no tonal shift. The only tonal shift was is set up of Cage coming home to Nicole Kidman. We're uh fairly happy family with some problems that uh but you know we we were super rich and it's great to the guys break in and then it's just like a flat line it's just the same tone of this yeah heightened the the stress levels at 10 everybody's freaking out trying to figure out what to do I, i i was thinking about you said you don't like home invasion movies and i don't either really and i i love horror movies and I've seen a lot of in home invasion movies. Uh, there's a French movie called Them that I remember being really good. Um, there's The Strangers. There's uh, uh, the first of the, the Purge movies. There's just a bunch. And they, to a degree, I, I think part of why... Part of why they don't It just really, seems like a weird subgenre to yeah, me. Yeah, well, well, I think what, what doesn't work for me is that the the people whose homes are being invaded are always super rich. And <laughs> like, I was thinking about this, this movie, like I think just by it, it's become part of the whole thing because you need a big house. You want a big house, which weirdly this movie doesn't even utilize that at all. It's, like it's it basically could, in it one happen room. In like yeah. t- uh, two or three rooms. Yeah. So it, it's this, it's this weird, like, rich person anxiety this anxiety of i have hoarded all this uh, all um all, all this money and uh material goods within my my fortress but what if the pores get in and well and and, 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 and th- this movie makes that again i think completely with without any sense of actually examining anything this movie makes that shit explicit like because the the robbers are have all these sort of like white trash signifiers that the the movie fucking spells out they smoke cigarettes one of them is a stripper one of them has a child in foster care they 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 keep to, they keep bringing they're addicted up, to drugs they're addicted to drugs they're dope dealers right and uh nick Cage and his wife are uh, just you know fine, upstanding citizens yeah. that uh, you know they're ciphers. They're, there's right. nothing really uh, about their any of the characters, but um, the, the only characterizations they have is that they're rich and then psych not quite as rich as they thought. That's, is there, that's it. Yeah, is there a home invasion movie where like the home invaders are the protagonists of the movie? 
Like, Good like question. can you ever sympathize with someone in such a position mm. that they feel like they need to like run up on someone's house and rob it? <laughs> the people under the stairs. No, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, I not, not in this way. Um, I don't, I don't think there, I don't think there is, but that would be a much more interesting movie. Honestly, breaking into a rich person's house to like take their stuff. That's why home invasion movies don't register to me. I think as, just it's just not an anxiety could, that I yeah, have. Yeah, and <laughs> and also it's just like a neuroticism of, you know, I, I mean, I'm sorry, but out of touch Hollywood types. Yeah, true. You know, they buy these big ass houses yes. in the hills, and they, you know, they never leave their compound. Yeah, and and there's just like again, like a lot of the the first act of this is just all hinged on like you know, open the safe, just give them the money, and through that whole time, just like. Yeah, you don't have any leverage. Just just give them the money. You know, it's a, a lot of this stuff is like what it's saying is that what we are scared of is that these uh poor people are going to come and take our goods. But it's that's oh. really never actually it because the 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 people come in but they're also very bad people and they want to do all the these other bad things. They want to be they want to break stuff. They want to rape people. They want to just be rude and mean and it's it's sort of this like <laughs> they want to smoke crack in your bedroom. Yeah, no, and that's and that's so yeah, leading back to uh I mean the the robbers there's like four of them. There's the the little brother who's obsessed with Nicole Kidman. There's the big brother played by Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, that's that just, actor's yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't remember his name. Uh I I I didn't really recognize him, but he's been in a bunch of stuff. Right. Um, there's this hulking like Dolph Lundgren type guy who is there to, to watch over shit and make sure it goes down. Um, because the, well, it, it's revealed that this whole thing is happening because Ben Mendelsohn and his, his brother, uh, got up and the, his girlfriend got a bunch of dope to sell and then it got jacked from them and now they need to make up the money or they're going to be in trouble. And then it's revealed that the little brother double crossed Ben Mendelsohn and whatever. Um, it doesn't actually matter. Cons on cons, cons on cons. Yes. <laughs> that's what, that's literally what I wrote. <laughs> it's like dead fall all over again. Cons on cons. But, um, and then his girlfriend, uh, played, I forget the actress's name, but but yeah, she's a stripper and she goes, she, the first thing she does when they, when they home invade is she like goes to like, I think the daughter's room and smokes crack on her bed. And then like, and then she goes to like Nicole Kidman's closet yeah. and starts like trying on all her like fancy right. dresses and clothes. Oh my God. It's, which is, oh, and, and does it all while she, she puts on their home videos of like Nicole Kidman with uh, her daughter as a baby playing in the background. And it's just like the most like uh, rich person nightmare of like, yeah, oh right. God, this, this woman is violating my stuff. All of my stuff. Um, yeah. Puts her cigarette out on their nice rug. Do you want, do you want to talk about Cage specifically yes, in the movie now? I do want to talk now? about Cage. Okay. How do you think he did? <laughs> I think he was the most interesting part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, which isn't saying much in, in a movie where everyone is just yelling at each other the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and threatening to, to kill various people in the scene. But there is something, and to go back to the soundbite you played at the beginning, mm -hmm. I think there is something to be said for using using his voice as as a shorthand for basically you know, how this guy has just been quote unquote a businessman yeah. for his whole life. And when shit really hits the fan, 
you know, he doesn't really have a lot of practical self-defense skills to fall back on. Yeah, and and I mean, he's he's sort of like... Which in a way, like, kind of double cucks him. Yeah, You know, because, right. like, not only does his wife, like, fuck around with the security alarm kid, yeah. but then also he can't protect his family when it matters the most. Right, yes. It, it, it is, I mean, he, Cage is just playing up the, this character as a cuck. I mean, he even says <laughs> <laughs> that I am a cuckold. You're right. He can't, he can't protect his family. Which and again is another weird kind of psychosexual neuroticism absolutely. that, that is, just adds a whole layer of grossness to the proceedings. And the, and the movie basically ends with him finally stepping up and truly... Uh, having you know wi- winning dominion over the uh, all these male intruders, he nail guns this guy's foot to the floor and sets him sets him on fire, and uh, that finale was kind of cool. That I liked. I liked some of that. I also liked that uh, the way the daughter kills the the girl. Yeah, the, uh, the Ben Mendelsohn's girlfriend. At one point, um, he sends her out with the daughter to go get money that the daughter saw at a house party in this rich kid's safe. And uh, the the daughter turns the tables by uh, speeding her convertible into like a telephone pole and unbuckling the other woman's seatbelt so she uh, so she bites it. And uh, that was pretty hardcore. Yeah. And the daughter walks away fine. Surprisingly, what kind of convertible was that? I didn't know that it was such a safe. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, she runs home. She's she's totally she's completely fine. untouched. It yeah. seemingly. Uh, that was a badass move. Yeah, but Cage, I I liked his weird like nebbish voice. He he doesn't get a lot of attention in for for doing like fun like nebbish shit like the his nerd voice basically. He's just a nerd. Yeah, he he has some fun stuff. He has, he's got a, a pretty good like yelling freak out in the middle of this that I enjoyed. But he doesn't he doesn't really get a lot to do. I mean the same the same with Nicole Kidman. Now we've talked about this leading up to this that this was. Uh, I remember when Big Little Lies came out and did you see that? I did, yeah. Yeah, and she's great in it and it it is I mean Nicole Kidman just is really good. She's yeah. a good actress. She's a really good actress. And um and that this looking back this she, she was aging in Hollywood. She felt like her good roles were drying up. She took this role and it felt like uh just a, a low point for her. I, I've got this other quote from her. So this was a nine-week shoot, which seems excessive to yeah. me. Like, it seems like they could have done it in... Six. Yeah. And she, she says, I came downstairs the other night, and this was, this was during press for the, the movie. She says, I came downstairs the other night, and I was crying. And my husband was like, why are you crying? And I realized it's getting to me. The violence and abuse that I'm shooting on camera must have somehow permeated into my mind off the set. So I think this was a bad time yeah. for her. It like, was a bad time for her personally shooting it, and it was a bad time for her career. Professionally. And also it must be a slap in the face to feel that way as a woman, that, that you're aging and you're losing roles, and then you take something that you think is juicy right. and it you know gives you a lot emotionally to work with, and then the movie tanks and everyone hates it. Yeah. Then, I mean, that must be like a slap in the face. Yeah, I think so. And she, this is, she's worked with Schumacher before, uh, in most famously in Batman, Batman. Forever. Yeah. Batman Forever. 
the one with Val Kilmer. Was she poison? No. No. That was Uma. She was his girlfriend or wife or right, something. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Anyway, she, she yeah, she's where I also the in that Schumacher interview I I was watching, um, he they were like, Why why uh Nicole Kidman and Cage? He's like, I've worked with them both before and I just thought it would be really sexy if they got together. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think this I, I think this was all just a bad time. Yeah. Um, it, it it doesn't look like a fun shoot, honestly, for anybody. Um it's I mean, just imagine nine weeks of showing up at that house and just like just yelling and breaking things and just just I mean this dialogue over and over again it just it must have been terrible um also Schumacher also (laughs) said that almost every actor got like seriously injured making it wow he says Cage got a concussion uh Nicole Kidman got like beat up like her face was like black and blue um the the guy who plays the brother like broke his hand open when he when he goes to the fridge oh, and punches, punches it in yeah. frustration. <laughs> um, ben Mendelsohn got injured. The the woman who plays the uh, the stripper got injured offset uh, practicing her moves on a stripper pole. So she, oh man, <laughs> which and then all of her scenes of dancing got cut anyway. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. And Schumacher says that all with a smile. He's like, well, we should have said like, you know, at the end, no animals were hurt in this film, but uh, all the people were. <laughs> like, uh-huh, bro, uh-huh. that's on you. <laughs> that's not cool. Yeah, that's 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 being an irresponsible director. Yeah, is that is. Yeah. And just like also, what, what a, a movie to what a waste of a concussion. Absolutely. For this, for this thing, Ugh. <laughs> it's a bad time. <laughs> uh 35 million dollars uh budget $16,000 gross. 1000? 16,000. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. That's horrible. <laughs> I have almost nothing else to say. The, you, yeah, I I me either there are a couple moments that I'd like to point out Yeah. because I think they're they stuck out to me. When, <laughs> when, when cages, when, when they're trying to like, uh, when they have Nicole Kim in a gunpoint and trying to force cage to open the safe. Ah, uh, yes. And I remember he, that and one And then he time. goes into the, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. It, it was, it was one of the, it was either the first or second time. Uh-huh. And then he goes on that monologue yes. about how the diamond trading business works, you know? Oh yeah. 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 And, uh, and he's like, and right. he's like, you know, each one is, uh, mo- you know, marked especially and and you can't sell them on the market without being linked back to me or my murder etc cetera, etc cetera. Like any fool with yeah. a jeweler's loop is yeah. gonna know that you stole these yeah he's like who's gonna cut them and then you know and and i just think that that is like a i think that is a weirdly specific truth for that character yes. to fall back on where that is what he has going for him is his knowledge of this business and uh-huh. and in lieu of being able to physically save his wife he's going to you know basically pull the I'm an expert card right well yeah cuz the the DNA of that scene is so is been you know used so many times the this thing of like you know, uh, we have guns give us the money you have no other option and then wait if 
I, I could give you these diamonds, but everyone will know that they're stolen because of this hyper-specific way that the diamond business works. But if you trust me and you uh, let... He, he, like, proposes some sort of plan yeah, he's where basically he, like he'll we, sell the diamonds for them. Right, right. He's basically, we can become business partners, and right. then that way you get the money and no one has to die. And no one has to die. Right, and it, it's, like... That's the kind of specificity that this movie really lacks on the whole. Like the, this movie for is pretty unmemorable. At, I think all the all the dramatics, oh, all I, the set pieces, and yeah. everything. I think and I think this movie is one hundred percent worthless. It's worthless. Yeah. It's, it's garbage. And and but that's the kind of thing that like that could could elevate a movie like this. And yet I think how vague it's so vague. His kind of like I will be your middleman seller. I mean, cause they were already like, we're in your house and we have like 20 minutes before your alarm system. I don't know. goes out or like we, we have a countdown and we're so hyped up. We're ready to kill people. So what they're going to then sit around for weeks while he does deals for them. Like it's just, it, it, it's stupid. The other thing I like is when <laughs> the moment where so one of the robbers says something to the effect of, Oh, real smart hiding your safe behind a picture, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then, and then cage just goes, it's aesthetic. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's like, I'm not trying. He's like, it's, I'm not trying to hide it. Yeah. It's just so that I don't have a giant safe in the middle of my wall above my desk. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, I, I almost felt like that was the screenwriter be catching himself and being like, Oh, that's so cliche. But then being like, no, but there's a reason for it. <laughs> Just lampshading it. Uh, also, the soundtrack I thought was extremely yes. distracting. And also... The soundtrack was... Also, it does this garbage. thing that a lot of soundtracks do in in mediocre one-note thrillers like this, where mm-hmm. it actually undercuts the tension. Right. It's kind of constant, and, uh, it, and yeah, the, it doesn't do anything interesting. It's, it's pretty much just like wallpaper... Yeah, I mean that's about it. That I don't really have anything else to say about this movie. Don't uh, see it. We, I would not recommend it to anyone. I mean, all I'll say is that uh, the on on paper, this movie and Seeking Justice seemed like you know they might as well have been the same. Seeking Justice was way better. Yeah, somehow. Somehow, not good, but. Um, I've actually been thinking about seeking justice. I, I, it's it again. It's not a good movie, but I'm going to forget about this movie immediately. Except just kind of like a general feeling of just like that. It's a gross waste of time. Next on the docket, a movie that's guaranteed to not be a gross waste of time. Ghost Rider Two: Spirit of Vengeance. I'm so psyched about this. I've been waiting for this since the original Ghost Rider. Yeah, we have to find out what happens to Johnny Blaze. Does he ever go back to uh, what's the town called? Vengeance or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vengeance. <laughs> yeah, th- this movie reeks of oh, we're gonna lose licensing for this character, so let's pump one more movie out. Yeah. So uh, I guess look forward to that. Um, I'm, I'm going to text Max and let him know that he's on the hook to watch another <laughs> Ghost Rider another movie. Ghost Rider movie. And <laughs> Listen, man, you thought that you were getting off the hook for this one? Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, we're really in the thick of it, dude. Ghost, so, Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance, Stolen, yes. The Croods. 
Oh, oh, I have a guest for the crudes. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. That's, that shouldn't be yeah. true, but yeah, she, she, leg- she legitimately told me that it, she thinks that it's a, it's a cute, well-made movie. Wow. Okay, yeah. good. Well, 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 like, well, and who I've never seen it. Yeah. I don't know that it's not, you could. but, uh, I'm, I'm ready to counterpoint that. Yeah. But, uh, I 100% am, but I'm going to go in with an open mind. Me you too. Know? And then we're in 2012. So, or I mean, yeah, we're, we're trucking along. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Oh, I'm sorry. There yeah. is, there is one more thing that I would like to bring up. Please. Uh, in 2011, Nick Cage was, uh, nominated with himself three times in the same category for worst actor at the Razzies <laughs> for this season of the witch and drive angry. Ooh. Um, which, which one of those do you think he should have won for? I don't know that he won for any of them, but I'm just wondering if 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 it's for performance alone. Yeah, season season of the, of witch, the witch. I kind of feel that. I kind of feel yeah. that. Yeah, because Drive Angry, I think he he. I don't think Drive Angry deserved to be nominated at all. No, honestly, I think Drive Angry served up exactly what it said it was going <laughs> to serve up, and uh, if you don't like it, you can drive angrily somewhere else. <laughs> you know, and like you said, his acting is one of the best parts of this movie, which is not a high compliment, but. Uh, it's it, but give him a break. Schumacher should have got worse direction for 100% this. Hundred percent agree. Hundred um, percent agree. Uh, not to derail our, our our ending, but like it's just it, this i the idea of Schumacher as an auteur director. Like he kind, is though. He, he is. I agree with that. Yeah. I just don't like his thing. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I I just I was even gonna like throw that out the window because just looking at this, this looked like it could have been directed by any fucking hack. Honestly, like there was not a choice. There 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 was not a an interesting directorial choice once in this movie. There were some bad choices, but the, none of them were interestingly bad. And at least for the Batman movies or um, especially for falling down, like he's making interesting choices. So I think you said he, he hasn't directed a feature since this. Good. Yes. Fuck your career, Joel Schumacher. <laughs> we hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? If you want to come on the show, defend it, to defend yourself <laughs> by all means with open arms. Yeah. We'll, we'll do another trespass and eight millimeter episode. Double feature. Yeah. Double feature. Um, but until then you're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, every, you know, you know, rate us on iTunes or whatever, follow us, tell your friends. We're on and, Instagram at heat seeking Panther. Oh yeah. Subscribe. Oh rate. yeah. You posted uh, today that, uh, oh, I at did. The, the new Beverly, they're going to be playing, um, bringing out the dead. Yeah. I don't know how quickly I'm going to get this edited and, and up, but on April 22nd, um, a, 2 p.m. afternoon matinee, the new Beverly wow. is playing a 35 millimeter of Bringing Out the Dead, which if I wasn't working, I would honestly probably yeah. go see. I would I, I would be down to rewatch that movie and I would definitely want to see it in, in the 35, theater. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And if this comes out later than that, um, just like us, you will have missed it and, uh, <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> just, it's just nice to remember when Nick Cage, uh, was making flawed, but, uh, I- interesting artistic movies. All right. Well, till next time. The film was shot in Louisiana and is that your new home, Nicholas? And how does it compare to the lifestyle in LA and even in Toronto? Well, well uh, no, no, I, I actually, actually live, live, uh, uh, uh <laughs>
I, 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 <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, I live in Nassau. Yeah. Shout out to Nassau. <laughs>